You're listening to Sorry, What Was the Question with me, Alex Campbell. I'm a therapist, coach and educator. I also have ADHD. In fact, I was one of the first in the UK to be diagnosed. My experience having ADHD is complex, confusing and often hilarious. It can also be quite isolating. That's why I created this podcast, to chat with other people with ADHD, along with their family, friends and colleagues. So join us. I hope that together we'll feel less isolated, better understood and more connected. Hello, neurodiverse friends. I hope you're all well. Welcome to episode three. Would you believe it? This month is ADHD Awareness Month. I find it quite hilarious that I didn't know this until it popped up on my Facebook wall yesterday. And I was chatting with some fellow ADHDers and they were like, there's an ADHD Awareness Month. And I was like, yeah, who knew? It's every October. Anyway, happy ADHD Awareness Month, everyone. When Helen, my wife and I met and then we got married, um, she started saying things to me. You, do you always lose everything? You know, do you, do you, uh, why, why are you pacing around the house? Yeah. You know, why, why is it on the days when we don't have any coffee in the house that you just pace up and down in the kitchen? Why, you know, stop doing that. What, you know, why have you got uh, a baseball bat, a kendo sword, a half finished plan for a tree house, you know, uh, language, beginner's guides for 14 different languages and you know eight books on woodwork and three books on how to grow your own mushrooms you know this is not normal that was stefan vigiani my guest on today's episode he's a father of two boys raised in los angeles in the 80s and diagnosed with add at the age of nine after traumatic switch from the valley to a british public school he moved from job to job around London before finally settling on teaching, where he is now the assistant principal at a large comprehensive school in London. When he's not leaving the bathroom windows open or forgetting lunchboxes, he enjoys running, cooking and playing music everyone else in the house doesn't like. We were then welcoming his eldest son, Massimo, who's nine years old. He was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of seven and describes himself as movenable. He particularly likes throwing himself down the stairs, drawing comics and attempting to flood the house. We will then also welcome in Stefan's youngest son, Mauro, who's seven. He's neurotypical, enjoys swimming, video games, and is a skilled evader of projectiles and wrestling attacks. And I won't mention who's the wrestler, but I think you can guess. What became really apparent to me as I spent time with the three of them was how ADHD can both be a wonderful thing and a real challenge. And I'm not talking about when you have a household like Stefan's that's divided in half with two people having ADHD and two people who don't but how Stefan and his eldest son's ADHD both help them connect with each other, but also connect with each other's throats, so to speak. It proves that having ADHD doesn't mean that you'll be able to instantly empathise and understand how others with ADHD experience the world in all its complexities. It takes time and lots of patience. I felt strangely at home as I sat with the three of them. Some of the dynamics felt familiar, but also different. I hope you enjoyed the interview. So, Stefan, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'd love us to kick off with um, the fact that you weren't diagnosed in the UK. So tell me a bit about that process. So I was uh, raised in California, in the Valley, uh, in LA, um, and moved out there when I was three. Um, my mum's British. And then... Um, Struggled with school, 
uh, I went to a, a magnet program. So in the States, they have a system whereby it's all run on IQs, which I don't completely agree with. But anyway, my, I did quite well in the test and I ended up going to this magnet center where they sort of bust you in and, you know, uh, extension work and things like that. Um, and I was good at it, but I was very distracted. And uh, my, I always remember there was, um, we didn't have sort of uh, lockers. We had these metal drawers underneath our mm. desks and my drawer was just it, it looked like there'd been an explosion at a at a waste paper factory <laughs> um and i remember my teacher just reaching in and just grabbing all this stuff out and all this undone homework and all this you know sort of bits of wrapper of this cheese string or whatever american snack i was eating at the time and um and you know that was the reason why my parents uh, sought help. Uh, and I remember, I think I also used to get really nervous about the school bus because obviously my the bus only took me so far. So the last little bit, my mum used to come and get me in, in the car. Mm. And I used to have these like nightmares that she wouldn't turn up. Oh, wow. And so I think that's how it started, actually. It was through anxiety. And then I think perhaps the psychologist sort of suggested, oh, have you considered, you know, ADD? Um, and then by the time I was in fifth grade, sixth grade, so, um, year five here, I was on Ritalin. Uh, and my mum's got in her house, uh, the diagnosis papers for ADD, because obviously there was no ADHD at that time. So that would have been 1987, 1988. Mm-hmm. And then you moved here in 89. Yeah. Now, um, a lot of listeners know that I was diagnosed in 1990, and that was mm. the first year that recognized, 40 kids were recognized with it and were treated for it. Coming from the US, moving to the UK with an existing diagnosis, mm. what was that like? Well, um, my parents went along to the GP and sort of said, you know, here's the diagnosis. We'd like to carry on with the medication and was told no. Uh, wow. Yeah, so this was 1989. Um, and yeah, I just uh you know sink or swim in a new in a new country in a completely new education system as well i went from an elementary uh, uh school you know uh that was very similar to what you might see on tv you know with the hallways full of lockers and kids with the sort of uh backpacks mm. and you know hall passes and things like that <laughs> and uh tater tots on a on a metal tray for lunch and mm. i went to i then ended up going to a public school so, you know, hmm. a, a prestigious 500-year-old boys' school in London um, where they wore uniforms and, you know, the wow. Queen visited and stuff. And, and it was, it what was, was that, really tough. What was that like for you? Well, it was really tough because I, I had this weird accent, you know. Mm. Uh, skateboarding was all the rage, so I had this ridiculous Tony Hawk haircut. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just, got, I just got really badly bullied. And so uh, I think I think actually the the ADD or ADHD or what, whatever it is I have, it sort of took a back seat for a while, mm. and it sort of got lost in other things like anxiety, like not fitting in, like um, trying to assimilate to a new country or you know what I knew as a new country because I left when I was three. Mm. So it's funny. It's sort of like. Um, I kind of forgot that I had ADHD 
I kind of forgot that I had ADD for a long time, for a really long time. How long? Um, I'd say for 15, 18 years. So it's it's really sort of like when when Helen, my wife, and I met and then we got married, um, she started saying things to me just sort of like, you know, okay, uh, you, do you always lose everything? You know, do you, do you, uh, why, why are you pacing around the house? Yeah. You know, why, why is it on the days when we don't have any coffee in the house that you just pace up and down in the kitchen? Yeah. Why, you know, stop doing that. What, you know, why have you got, uh, a baseball bat, a kendo sword, a half finished plan for a tree house, you know, uh, language, beginner's guides for 14 different languages <laughs> and you know eight books on woodwork and three books on how to grow your own mushrooms you know this is not normal to have this many unstarted this is so ADHD hobbies. yeah <laughs> and she's like and and uh yeah, yeah. and I, I don't know I think maybe in the back of my head I thought that being on Ritalin in the states was kind of a rite of passage, you know. Mm. I, I think, you know, particularly um, uh, there was a very famous documentary that was doing the rounds, I think, in the early 2000s, and its name escapes me, but it was it was looking at the sort of the crisis of medication of American students. Mm. So I, I think maybe I thought that I was just one of 100 kids in my school that were on Ritalin mm. because everyone was on Ritalin. Mm. And then it was really sort of settling down, living with someone, and that sort of the craziness of the twenties, the you know the university, the um, living hand to mouth, maybe drinking too much, mm. um, and things like that. And then suddenly you sort of reach your thirties and you start to settle down. You meet someone and you start sort of being a bit more regulated Mm. and then suddenly you realize well actually i'm not as regulated as other people how did you come to that awareness because that's interesting this idea of you talked about like 15 years or something of not really being aware it sort of fell off your radar yeah and then you go to university and was it around the time when you that you met your now wife that you things started to become more apparent again to you yeah i mean i think i I think in the interim, oh, I, we lost my dad in sort of 2003, 2004. Mm-hmm. And so that was um, a big thing for me. And I sort of had to re-examine that relationship. And, you know, my mum and I talked about him a lot. And mm. she was convinced, you know, at one point, I just remember her saying to me, like, oh, he was like you. He had ADD. He was, for, he was always forgetting things. He was in the travel industry, so he used to fly around Europe. And this was in the days before mobile phones, but he had this treasured sort of like Palm Pilot or like uh, one of those digital <laughs> yes. uh, things where you keep all your yeah. contacts. And yeah, my dad had Palm Pilot, yeah, so yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and and he was always just like leaving them in Rome or, you know, Brussels <laughs> Airport or something. They're quite and expensive he, things to leave yeah, lying yeah, around. Yeah. <laughs> and, his, and his poor assistant, I remember at the funeral, his poor assistant, Janney, uh, got up and said, uh, and said like, you know, he was like a dad to me because I always had to go around Europe picking up his stuff. Um, wow. Yeah, but, you know, and so that got me thinking when my mum said that, I was like, oh, yeah, I do have ADD, you know. Mm. And, and oh, okay. 
So I'm in my 30s. I don't have a job mm. to speak of. I'm sort of drifting from one job to the other. And all my sort of friends are like, mm. some of them are doctors, some of them are directors of companies now and they're mm. 30 and, and some of them have you know risen and got company cars and things like that and it was that sort of like okay well maybe I'm maybe I'm not normal and that diagnosis was actually true mm. before we move on to that point mm. and I'm hoping I can remember it <laughs> because the thing that I was just thinking about was how you experienced the grief like the loss of your father mm-hmm. because there's a lot of people who um, talk about uh, this groups I'm on and mm. uh, when they're experiencing like going to a funeral, it yeah. can be very hard. A, a lot of them talk about how do I manage or cope with this feeling and sometimes I don't know what it is, but it's quite overwhelming yeah. that can happen when grief hits us. And I was just wondering if you remember what that was like and how you managed. Yeah. Um, so we had a funeral and a memorial service. I was just on the whole day, you know, I was just performative. Right. I was, you know, I, I've always enjoyed acting. Uh, I mm. acted my way through school and university. I wanted to be an actor at one point. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, so, you know, public speaking and speaking to people and um, mm. schmoozing as my colleagues call it. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole way through, I got up, I gave a speech. I didn't Mm. plan it. I just did it. Um, I think it was okay. I think I got a bit too emotional, but you're allowed to, I guess on these days. Mm. And then sort of long-term coping strategy, I drank, you know, I drank a lot, drank a lot. Um, and yeah, so it was, yeah, uh, the emotions weren't forthcoming. Mm. Um, because at that time, because I was drinking a lot and I had, you know, I, I was in, I was in a quite sort of fracturous relationship at the time. Mm -hmm. My living situation was a bit confused and, um, I was effectively unemployed. Um, I was doing like a day shift work for a, um, audio engineering company, literally like installing TVs at conferences and stuff. So cash in hand type stuff. Um, but yeah, it, um, it does, it does come back mm. a lot. I dream about him a lot. Um, wow. Yeah, but um, at the time it was, it was alcohol, you know, um, which has always been something that I have found challenging. Okay, um, so even today for you? Um, it's just something I have to keep an eye on, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think I do have the addictive streak of ADHD. You know, I've, uh, I've spent a lot of time in, li- in my life smoking. Um, mm-hmm. And drinking is something that I would say, you know, if my friends, if my friends were to describe me, they would say, oh, he's a bit of a drink. He likes a drink, you know. Mm. Um, And, you know, yeah, just anything that can be addictive, I think I'm susceptible to that. That sort of, um, is it the serotonin pathway? I can never remember. Or the the pleasure reward. The dopamine. That's it, the dopamine. Mm. The dopamine hit. I am susceptible to the dopamine hit. Mm. So, yeah, but at the time um, when he passed away, yeah, I just sort of drank quite a lot Mm -hmm. and then came out the other side, trained to be a teacher and, uh, yeah. Was was that kind of the path to becoming a teacher? Would you say that was part of this not drinking or yeah. this transition? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the path to becoming a teacher was 
I mean, the practical, the practicalities of the fact they were paying people to train to be teachers. I was, mm. um, I was dating a teacher at the time and my friends who were looking out for me, they were, you know, they rightly said, you know, look, you, you, you've got this talent. You can, you can stand up in a room with nothing prepared and, and keep everyone on the edge of their seats. Sometimes, sometimes you're really boring and you waffle on too much. (laughs) These are my friends, you know, they're not sort of, you know, we're not. I feel like sometimes with ADHD, it's a fine line between being really charismatic and engaging or just like, and and you're not even aware, right? You just keep going. I know. know. And then you add into that the Californian upbringing. And I was just, you know, there's a real propensity for me to just be irritating. (laughs) I mean, I remember when I first took Helen, my wife to, uh, LA um we arrived late and we getting a meal in the hotel and this waiter I remember his name was Clay and he just talked at us for about 40 minutes about where he was from what he was doing oh yeah I'm from Utah I know I'm trying to get in Hollywood just like everyone else but you know I work here and I like it and the guy and, and, and this guy who works here oh, and I'm sharing the shift with it and he talked at us for 40 minutes and then forgot to take our orders I had to come back and take our orders <laughs> and Helen just looked at me and just said I now understand why you are the way you are. If this is where you were brought up with ADHD, you know what I mean? I'd never thought about the whole California mentality oh, yeah, and ADHD yeah. Yeah, being yeah, like yeah. a perfect storm. Oh, well, no, it's, it's what chance do I have? I grew up in California. I'm 50% Italian. And if you've ever seen, you know, Italians in, in a coffee shop, it's, you know, my dad used to say every Italian has ADHD, but it is, it is that sort of, that, uh, the, uh, you know, ADHD and California is a killer because when you start to go off, people are just like, yeah, yeah, come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's socially acceptable. I feel like ADHD is probably tougher in places like Britain and Japan and stuff where we have a sort of more, or, you know, Nordic reserved. countries where it's a bit more reserved. You yeah. know, if you're just talking incessantly for 45 minutes in, in you know, in Britain, they'll just say, shut up, mate. <laughs> You're right, you're right. We are much more reserved. Yeah. Um, okay, so I remember the point that I wanted mm. to put a pin in, which mm. I'm surprised mm. about because I was going to forget it, which was about um, before we started talking about your the passing of your father, you're meeting your now wife mm. and that process. Yeah. It'd be good to just know, share a bit more about that. Yeah, mm. so uh, we met uh, on the early days of the internet, actually. Okay, so dial-up. Yeah, yeah, so it was, it, was, it was all on the computer rather than on phones, uh, which I'm very grateful for. I've got some younger colleagues that I work with who tell me about their Tinder every now and again, <laughs> and I just, it sounds horrific. Mm. Um, but no, we met online um, and very quickly moved in together. Uh, and got married. Um, so she's a teacher as well, by pure coincidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, um, we've been married now. Um, can you, in post, you can say um, that I got this right, but I think we've been married 11 years. <laughs> if you could just scrub that, that would be great. <laughs> no, no, yeah, we've been married 11 years. Um, and yeah, no, two beautiful boys, uh, Massimo Mauro. Mm-hmm. And she's very, um, she's very understanding. I think she, uh, finds it tough having, being the only female in the house and having two out of three of the males have ADHD. So there's a lot of clothes all over the floor all the time. Like this is the tidiest I've seen this house for months today. Um, and thanks for making an effort no <laughs> I, I made very little effort it was her um but yeah it's sort of um 
it works well. It works well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I sometimes feel guilty about the sort of the the parenting load because I get distracted so much. You know, I don't have the attention span to sit and do homework for an hour. You know, mm-hmm. to I think I think my parenting struggles somewhat because of my ADHD. Okay, because I have to be quite on. So if I'm tired mm-hmm. or stressed. Uh, then my my willingness to sort of um, get distracted, to just go, to get angry, or just to sort of go, no, nope, uh, you know, that that increases. So I kind of need to be mm-hmm. on a good vein of form mm-hmm. to be a good parent, which I suppose everyone does. Mm. Would you, um, only because this happened to me, so mm. I'd be interested to know if there's anything similar here or not, when you had kids or when yeah. you had, when you had mass, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, mass, your mm-hmm. eldest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, w- did, were you aware of your ADHD symptoms or behaviors increasing or becoming more challenging when you had a child or? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, obviously I, I think a lack of sleep is, <laughs> is, it brings yeah. out the worst in everyone, you know? Um, uh, and I definitely noticed I was more distracted and I think, so it would have been 2012 when Mass was born. Mm-hmm. And around about that time, um, that's when everything, I guess, 2012, I don't know. Facebook was 2009. So I guess things like Instagram and YouTube and things were really getting big. And so I found myself, I hate to say it, but just spending more time on my phone. And I do, I do realize now that that is maybe not just me being a phone obsessed person, that sort of, Mm. that desire to scroll. Um, Mm. And, but then it's strange because there are so many sort of Instagram accounts that are like ADHD memes and ADHD therapies. And some of them are great, but some of them are just like, they're really, really, no, that's not ADHD. Mm. Oh, it's so ADHD when you do the washing up and then there's one spoon left in the, you know, no, that's not so ADHD. That's just, (laughs) That's just a mm. truism that everyone says. Stop mm. putting this on this account. Mm. Yeah, but no. In um, mm-hmm. in answer to your question, I, I found myself becoming a lot more distracted, um, and definitely, definitely. Um, but then it is interesting because Massimo was himself a quite challenging baby. He was always on the move, mm. always on the move, which we now know is his ADHD. Mm-hmm. But we didn't have anything to compare it against because we'd mm. never been parents before. So we just thought this is what kids are like. Mm. And it was only when his brother came along, Mauro, that we realized, wait, hang on a minute. Why is he so chilled? Mm. You know, why is he so manageable? Why is he so still, (laughs) you know? In comparison. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. The dynamic of having, obviously you have ADHD, your wife doesn't have ADHD, your eldest does, your youngest doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, there is definitely that them and us mentality really? in the house. Well, joking, yeah, joking. There's the special brains and there's the non-special brains, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which is the term we use in this house. I don't know how, whether maybe we should look to use a, a, a different term, but anyway, mm-hmm. that's the one we use. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there is a lot of them and us, uh, which I'm, I'm trying to correct because actually Maro and I are quite similar in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so... It, it it is sort of feeling now like as Massimo gets older, my 
my stock might be rising, if you know what I mean. Like the, uh, you know, my poor fundamentals in parenting, you know, right. like because I get so inattentive or distracted. Actually, as he gets older and more sort of emotional and more challenging, it might actually be useful for me from a sort of understanding point of view. So what I lack in sort of, oh, uh, you forgot this prescription or you didn't do that or the the house is a mess or anything because I get distracted. Mm -hmm. But then now we did some homework yesterday, which is great. Amas and I never do homework together. And I could relate to him and sort of interact with him in a way that he got the homework done Uh. because I could get him you know, but it is strange. I, I still don't get him. It's like, um, uh, um, uh, the only thing I can think of is like a, a superhero or, or, um, uh, we're watching loads of Godzilla movies at the moment. So it's like, I'm Godzilla, but he's like Mecha Godzilla. You know, he's like the, the thing that's 10 times the size of me and has got missile launchers on his shoulders and stuff. His, his is so much more hyperactive than I am mm-hmm. that it almost feels like sometimes that's the challenge because we're so close yet not exactly the same. Wow. Which makes the sort of, that's where our, where we butt up against each other. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he gets angry. I don't get angry. I get anxious and sort of morose. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a bit of an old romantic at heart. You know, I grew up listening to Susan the Banshees and, you know, Brilliant. that kind of thing and the yeah. cure. Yeah. So, you know, I, I have that within me to just sort of mope and sort of shoegaze, whereas Massimo will just set a room absolutely on fire, mm. you know, um, mm-hmm. until the problem is resolved. That's interesting because you started talking about this whole them and us thing mm. and yet you're able to recognise between you and Mass that actually even though you both have a diagnosis, mm. the way that it presents and the challenges of that actually are, can be quite different. And even yeah. uh, even for someone who has it, trying to relate to mass sometimes can be, yeah. you know, even if you are the 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 us, mm. if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, um, it, 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 it's like we, we speak different dialects but live in the same nation, you know, that mm. kind of thing. It's, it's sometimes we're very similar. And sometimes we're very different and those differences become, those those are our challenge points. Mm. And it's sort of, you know, his anger. Uh, I mean, he's great at sports. You know, he, he can climb a tree and, I, I, you know, I'm determined to get him to a climbing wall at some point because mm. I think he'll be fantastic at it, you know, which I never was. You know, I was that, I was that lumpy kid who always got picked last and was happy to be picked mm. last. I didn't discover sports until my teens. Um but yeah, so we are different, but it's, it's the anger and it's, mm-hmm. and, and I guess anger is such an emotive topic because me being quite a docile person and I work with kids and I see angry kids and how they get pushed, they can get pushed out by the system. I worry about him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's not uncommon to me get, angry with my son because he's angry which yeah. sort of oh, it's mm. just a mess it's just a mess before we bring in mass mm. um i would love to know just a little bit about you having adhd and being an assistant head teacher at a girls yep. secondary school yeah what that's like and particularly in terms of 
your ADHD mm. in that context? Um, it's a challenge. Mm. It's a challenge. I mean, but the, the thing to say is I've got a great team. You know, um, the people I work with are amazing. And um, it's, I'm allowed to be me. Mm. And I think uh, I've been there a while now. You know, I, I, as I'm sure many people with ADHD uh, are the same, they just drift through jobs. So I had like 10, 15 jobs before I settled on teaching and some really weird ones, some of them really great ones. Um, mm. But, you know, I, I've been there a while now. So it's like every year I let a little bit more of my real personality come out. Mm. And I think I've reached the stage now where the people that I work with see the real me. And so, you know, being a management in a school you got lots of different types. It's, it's like running a business, you know, mm. it's, you're talking about, you know, uh, over 200 members of staff, nearly 2000 kids. So it's, it's a huge institution. Mm. So like any, you know, any business, you've got some, you've got some governance to do, you've got some planning to do, you've got some reporting to do, and then mm. you've got some like on the ground fixing stuff to do. Mm. And then there's just the oddities of, you know, like uh, uh, an air ambulance has to land in the field or, or COVID and suddenly we've all got to become like, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. COVID experts. Um, mm -hmm. so where would you say then if you were to sum up in terms of like, say the top areas that you think you shine as a result of your mm -hmm. and maybe the, 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 the bottom areas that you think are the most challenging for you? I really struggle with sort of long-term, uh, written projects, you know, like say a new policy or, um, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, I remember when I used to work at the Natural History Museum, some kind of like uh, fundraising uh, um, long-term campaign. That was a nightmare because it's like, right, on this day I have to do this and this day I have to do this milestones and all this, this mm. needs to happen before this and this needs to happen. Just... Yeah, if it's a big project, it just sits in my brain and I kind of, I can't do it. I can't even start it. And it just sits there in my brain, taking up executive function, just stressing me out. Mm. So yeah, like written attention to detail. Oh, my attention to detail is shocking. I even have, the, I have these little apps on everything I type mm -hmm. where I can have it uh, said back to me afterwards rather than, oh, okay. rather than read. Cause I just miss stuff. Mm. I just zone out mm -hmm. and I start thinking about, Oh, I wonder what mm. film we're going to watch. Is or, there any particular app that you can mention? Um, well, there you? is, there is just in word, um, if you go into the ribbon, there's an option to text to speech and you can add that. You can, I just use that. Mm -hmm. What I excel in, I think is just talking to people, listening to people, mm. you know, uh, someone who I respect very greatly once said to me, uh, there's no one else I'd rather have in the room when, uh, when we've got an, uh, you know, uh, an angry parent or an awkward situation. So yeah, uh, people, wow. people, at mm -hmm. the end of the day, I just like, I just like hanging out with people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's really helpful and also hopeful mm. to hear because I think there often is a misnomer about people with ADHD having quite poor soft skills, quite poor people skills, like butting into conversations, the, the impulsivity of it, which is part of the experience, mm. but actually knowing that there's a way that you can hone some of these skills and actually it becomes a real strength. It can become an attribute that is valuable. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, 
I think what's really helped with me mm-hmm. and hopefully, you know, the, the world will change and it'll be the same for everyone who listens is that my world is the world of education and education is incredibly hot on neurodi- neurodivergence. It's incredibly hot on being authentic. It's incredibly hot on, uh, you know, calling people what pronouns they want to be called or, you know, mm. giving everyone equity. Um, mm. So that has given me the confidence to say, look, this is me. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I'm good at these things. I'm not good at these things. Um, and, you know, sometimes I do get it wrong. Sometimes I do butt into a conversation or I, you know, mm. you, you walk out of a, a conversation with someone you respect or someone who's in a senior position. You're like, oh, I really did. That did not come off the way that I mm. expected it to. And I play on it. And it will, you know, it will, I will worry about it for a little while, but then, but then something else will happen. And I, I do genuinely get energized by spending time with people. Mm. Uh, and so I guess I'm just sort of lucky that I get away with it, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to welcome in Mass in a second. Before we do, um, is there anything before we kind of, get him to talk a bit about his experience that you, you think is helpful to share at this point before we hear a bit about him and how he interacts with you and your relationship with him? Um, so important things to know, I guess, you know, he and I, he and I have a, I think our relationship is good. Mm-hmm. I think I worry about it because of the relationship I had with my dad. We didn't, we didn't connect. Mass and I connect on a, on a more basic level at the moment now than mm. my dad and I connected when I was nine. Mm-hmm. So I am quite, I'm quite sort of anxious about that relationship and sort of maintaining it and looking after it and making sure that it's as, as good as it can possibly be. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? He's a bit of a show off. So he'll probably um, fill people's ears with stories about how daddy did this or he's snoring or daddy smells of this or daddy smells of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he'll, he'll do that for a couple of minutes, but then I'll get it out of his system. He is um, it's quite sensitive, mm-hmm. um, but I think he is also a bit of a sort of, he's a bit of a lump. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, Great. yeah, he's still growing. So, Mass, yeah. I want to ask you a question. Okay. Um, what is it like to have ADHD? I mean, I don't know what it's like to be a normal person, so it's ju- it just feels normal to me because I don't know what it's like t- to be my friends. I don't lo- know what it's like to... So I, don't, so I think that I imagine myself as... Uh, so when I think of another person, I don't think of them like I think of me. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, I think of them as calmer, more focused, and mm-hmm. I and uh, uh, I always try, I try and focus as hard as I can, but mm. I, I'm not as focused as other, pe- other people. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it's like to mm-hmm. be actually, like, be an actual person who doesn't have ADHD. So mm-hmm. so it's kind of a bit, I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
so you're what you're saying here is that you don't really know what it's like to not have ADHD. Yeah. Um, and that a lot of your friends seem to be able to be a bit more focused more of yeah. the time. And um uh, the way and uh something's helped me mm-hmm. um understand a bit more is because I have a friend in my class who also has ADHD mm-hmm. and um uh and I didn't really know that until year three and I'm in year five right now. Mm-hmm. So um it's helped me understand Mm-hmm. So we both are very good at climbing trees and it helped me understand more about um, ADHD. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So a lot of your friends, all your friends don't have ADHD, but then you find out that there's someone in your class who does have ADHD. Mm-hmm. And what is that like when you look at them, when you see them and you see how they behave and how they talk and how they are, can you see some of yourself in that person or is it what's that like some i can see sometimes but uh everyone's different so i mm. love performing and i don't get stage fright or anything but my friend mm. he doesn't really like performing some of the time mm-hmm. so even though he has adhd actually you guys are quite different yes oh okay so i want to ask you the next question mm-hmm. which is well your dad also has adhd so what is that like to have a dad who has Maybe, ADHD? Um, sometimes mm-hmm. uh, me and daddy can relate to each other ah. of what we feel and it kind of makes me feel a bit happier mm-hmm. uh, knowing what, um, uh, the, like knowing I'm not the only one who's alone. Mm-hmm. Stefan, can you give any good examples? Yeah, well, I was talking about that homework we did yesterday, didn't we? Yeah. We did it all right together, didn't uh-huh, we? Because um, I'm not sure if this is uh, ADHD related, but we uh, kind of like like the same things and we find the same things easy. Mm-hmm. So uh, me and Dad find science and history quite e- science and history quite easy mm-hmm. and um and like maths, oh, maths i don't find that very easily because um i i want because i'm not sh- sure because like you have to actually work something uh out mm-hmm. and i don't find maths very fun Okay. And I find learning about the past fun because, uh, like, it it just helps me think to look back at us and see what Mm -hmm. the world's become. Mm -hmm. Do you, can you tell that I have ADHD compared to other parents? Compared to other parents, um, I I sometimes can because... um, you sometimes like when it the when it's when I find it really hard to tell mm-hmm. if you have ADHD, even though I know you do, you just when um uh when we have those big parties in our house and um and uh dad's a bit drunk, um <laughs> uh, I uh, you kind of uh, all the other parents act the same. <laughs> 
being thrown under the bus here, Stefan. And all of our friends as well. Okay, thanks for that, bud. <laughs> but what about, you know, do, do, do I lose things more than mummy? Do I... Uh, you do lose things. You find it hard to find things. And um, mm. you also um, are easier to persuade than Am mummy. I? Yes, you are. Um, you find it easy to persuade your dad for something than your yes. mum. Ah. How do you persuade me? What are some of your tactics? Because um, me and Mal both find it easier. Because Maro, pers- uh, because usually uh, mum makes more of the rules and she doesn't address them to all of us. So we can uh, get away with some things like that time you dr- uh, bought Maro, uh, like that time you bought uh, me and Mal mil- milkshakes, even though we weren't allowed milkshakes from McDonald's. I didn't know that. <laughs> Are these rules written down anywhere? Uh, no. <sighs> Mum makes them up as she goes. If you were to say sum up having ADHD in like one or two or three words, like what kind of words would you use to describe having ADHD? The best. Wow. Okay, why the best? You said that really quickly. Because it's just because a lot of people aren't like as daring and they don't. And like I find some things that show the people don't find that fun. So I find more things fun. Mm-hmm. And if people find less things fun, then um, because I find. Um, a lot of things fun and I don't find focusing fun. Mm-hmm. I find any sort of moving activity f- kind of fun because you're doing something and mm-hmm. I don't know why I find them find it fun, but I j- kind of just do. Okay. Can I ask a question? Go for it. Mass, if, if Alex could give you a pill that would cure... And I'm using my fingers in that quotey way. Yeah? Yeah? If, if, if you could take a pill now that would stop you having ADHD, would you do it? I don't think so because, wow. um, because I feel that, um, I'm, uh, you know how everyone's unique? Mm-hmm. Um, if I didn't have ADHD, I wouldn't be as unique because I feel special and unique Mm. and i also and i also feel it's very and i feel it's fun being me so i wouldn't take it wow well we're going to welcome in your little brother mauro and he doesn't have adhd Mm -hmm. before we welcome him in what do you think it's like being the big brother um, having ADHD with Mauro, your little brother, who doesn't have ADHD. What's that like? Well, it's a bit confusing because... Okay. I think uh, um, that I should... Um, I feel that I th- that he doesn't play with me as often because I like playing, like, I feel it might be hard because I always want to play some sort of like wrestling game Mm. or some sort of um game and Maro he isn't that strong but he's sometimes very strong Mm. he and uh 
the reason uh, the games I like to play don't really last that long mm-hmm. is because uh, one of us ends up getting hurt, but I still find it very fun. And thinking, Marrow does too, but he doesn't like want to play it as, as I am. And I, and when we try and c- calm down, mm-hmm. Uh, I always want him to play the same game I'm playing on my iPad because I get uh, lonely. And speaking of uh, that, uh, I also have a fear of missing out. So um, Mm -hmm. I don't like when I miss out. Uh, on fun stuff because I always want to talk about talk about stuff I've done and I feel left out. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you for saying that. So Mauro, what is it like having a big brother who has ADHD? It's sometimes very complicated and hard to stop a problem that's happening. Okay, can you give me an example of that? So basically, when maths last night, night, last night, yeah. So, and sometimes Massimo, he always wants a bath, but then we don't run him a bath. We, it's just there's nothing there, and then he gets um a bit um a bit angry, and it's hard to solve the problem because there's a lot of things happening. Mara's like my little slave because Dad uh, Dad and uh, Mum gave up and they said, uh, you have to get things by yourself. So when I'm calling for my dressing gown, when I'm cold, Mara always gets it for me. Okay, and what's that like for you, Mara, having to get his dressing gown? It's very hard and tiring. It's not that hard just getting a dressing gown. But it's very tiring because I have to do, like, three things at once. How do you have to have to do three things at once? Because you're on your iPad, you... No, first you say you need the dressing gown, then a few seconds later, no, you change to the creeper suit. And then after that, you want your iPad instead of the Xbox. This is true. I have experienced this myself as well. Okay. Um, but no, what... Do, are you happy that um, Massimo has ADHD or would you prefer it if he didn't? Are there some advantages of him having ADHD? Yes, there is a lot. Mass, let him answer. Okay. Uh, yeah, there are some advantages. Yes. Because he's very energetic. And when I'm tired, he always likes he he makes me hyper. Mm-hmm. And do you like it when you're tired and he makes you hyper? Uh, yeah, because I don't like being tired because I can't do much. Okay. Now I know that there is this point sometimes in the day. I've forgotten what you call it. It's called a crazy hour. Oh, yeah, crazy hour. Really crazy, crazy hour. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's just because. One of us doesn't burn off enough steam uh, because that usually happens a lot. Because mm-hmm. so the cr- or maybe my or on a school night my pill my my pill wears off and okay. Um, so I you're get, taking medication for your ADHD. I am taking medication. Okay, and when that medication is wearing off in the afternoon, I get really 
but good thing I ne I never that never happens at home because I have to go to after school club. So that oh. helps with the mm -hmm. okay. One of the things that we talked about in the last episode of this podcast was about uh, I interviewed a couple and she has ADHD and her partner doesn't have ADHD. And one of the things we talked about was consequences that he he doesn't have ADHD. He's more aware of consequences, whereas she isn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering if that's similar for you guys or different that is, is um, Mara, are you more aware of the consequences? Are you aware of yeah. what might happen? Because if... when uh, Massimo wants to play fight me, I'm aware that I will get hurt in the process. And I know, and I'm not really aware of the consequences, I'm just in it for the fun. Uh, one of the challenges for all of us mm -hmm. is to is to recognize that Mauro puts up with a lot mm. and does a lot of things that a little brother wouldn't normally do mm. for an older brother. But then at the same time, Mass does need Mass is Mass is like his daddy. He's very much a, an emotionally driven people person. So if you don't give him the TLC, mm. what's a TLC? Tender loving care. Tender. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, then uh, that can that can be a bit rough on him as well. So it's sort of it's it's a bit of plate spinning, isn't it? Really. Well, Stefan, before we finish, mm. given that we've got both your kids here, yeah. is there anything that you'd like to say or any or respond to anything that the kids have said today? Um, yeah. I. The one, the one thing I do worry about, guys, is I hope that you stay friends. Well, we've always been friends. No, I know, I know, I know. But, you know, you read about these brothers or sisters that as soon as they leave the house, they lose contact with each other. And Daddy's very lucky. He's got a very good relationship with his brother and his sister and his rest of his family. Um, and that... I just want that to continue for you guys. Well, maybe. So my only fear is that because you're so different, that maybe you won't get along sometimes. We get we get along We're in secret. Like Maro, do you remember Biscuit in Mission Impossible, where one where Mum bought these new biscuits, and we and I woke you up, and then we both snuck down and we both creep past Mummy and Daddy's bed, um, and then we went downstairs and we went and go and get the cookies. Oh yeah, we had a midnight snack, and then we had a midnight snack snack in Maro's room. So. Mass, what you're saying here is that... Because we do things in secret. You do things together that mummy and daddy don't know about, that you quite enjoy. Yes. Would you say and that's the same? He he leads me into this stuff <laughs> because they sound fun, but sometimes they're actually not. Well, listen, I really appreciate you guys talking and sharing a bit of your experience of ADHD and you not having ADHD. Um... Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. See ya. <laughs> Thank you very much. I felt like Massimo was reaching his peak at the end of the interview. I could see him getting more and more restless. And as soon as I stopped recording, he started to climb the doorframe of the kitchen. And then he crashed on his iPad alongside Mauro. It was great to see. And as I drove away, my thoughts raced between what I'd heard and some memories from my own childhood. 
What stayed with me is how Massimo identifies with his ADHD as the best and fun. He had a wonderful way of expressing his individuality and his uniqueness in a way that doesn't really include stigma. I found that really profound. I was also really moved by the care and concern of Stefan towards his boys, having a good relationship beyond the family home. My guest on the next episode is Gareth Dacken, a professional filmmaker, photographer, and all-round creative, a runner and a climber, and a fan of anything that's right here, right now. You don't want to miss it. You can follow this podcast and all future updates on Instagram at ADHDpodcast.fm and Twitter at ADHDpodcast underscore FM. The show was hosted and produced and mixed by me, Alex Campbell, and the interview took place in Stefan's Kitchen in southwest London. The podcast theme music was created by the incredible composer, Andrew Swarbrick. And finally, to all the ADHDs and those around them, remember, each one of us is different, but one thing that is true, each one of us is wonderfully made, and so, my friend, are you. Until next time. <laughs>